0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Welcome back. This is episode 98, and we're going to be starting a six week series. Talking about manhood, and I want to talk to you about raising sons and also just about training your men in the church and, and teaching your church about manhood. So, I want to get in some, you know, real laser focused clarity on what it means to be a man. And so, we're going to talk through these six words worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. And within those words, we're going to find out who a man is and what a man does. And I think it's crucial for pastors, as we are men, to be thinking through manhood quite regularly. It's, a part, it's part of the Imago day, and it's crucial for us to get this right. And so we're going to be working through this biblically, and I'm excited to do so. But I need the Lord's help, so let's pray and trust that he's going to give it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness today. Uh, it's, a, it's a great day. It's a day that you have made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever we're facing today, God, I pray that you would give us not just the strength to survive it, but to get through it and to just to crush it and thrive today. We want to honor you in all that we do, and so lead us today. Now help me as I'm talking through this this uh, manhood series for the next six weeks, and it's been just great thinking through you know these things with about ransom and valor and and really just trying to think through these things biblically. And so help me as I uh, translate this into into this podcast that listeners would be encouraged and the pastors out there would be uh, challenged and helped. I trust that you're going to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Years ago, probably 2006 or seven, I discovered biblical manhood and womanhood. I knew biblical passages from growing up in church, obviously, and I knew there was differences in men and women, but I had not studied what the Bible actually says about men and women. And it is crucial because it is a part of the Amago day. And after all, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, we're all familiar with it, says, So God created men in his own, own image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So when we talk about what it means to be a part of mankind, we have to understand that mankind is male, made male and female. And the reason I'm doing this, you know, there's a lot of podcasts that talk about this. There's a lot of sermon series on this. There's a lot of books written on this. But what I've found is that pastors really need to get some refreshers on just simply what it means to be a man. And it's easy in pastoral ministry to begin to drift in your work, drift in your life with the responsibilities that are upon you. You're supposed to be a professional Christian, so you're doing your reading and you're you're studying and praying and, and all of that. And it's easy to lose touch with just simply what it means to be a man. What does it mean to be just with flesh and blood, with body and soul, uh, before God and men walking humbly and being who God has called you to be. And so we're going to talk about this. And Specifically, I've been thinking about this in greater detail over the last couple of years because I have two sons, Ransom and Valor. You've heard me talk about them, and I'm teaching them manhood. I'm teaching them what it means that God created them as a boy. And the world's not going to teach them. Society's not going to teach them. The TV's not going to teach them. It's up to me. I have to teach that. And my wife and I are united in this. And what we've been working through is six words that have become very helpful for me uh, to define who a man is and what is a man to do, okay, the the identity and the work of a man. So you guys have heard me talk about the identity and the work of a pastor. These things are applicable just when it comes to manhood as well, but we're, we're talking through kind of same language here, the identity and the, and the work of a man. And definitions got a hold of me a few years ago because I was reading a book from the 90s called Raising a Modern Day Knight, and they had some really helpful definitions in there. And this book, Raising a Modern Day Knight, was Casting a vision for, for men to raise their sons and to raise their sons through a series of, and of stages of, of ceremonies and growth in what it means to be a man. So when we're talking about a knight, they, they talked about a knight, and then there's different stages, you know, squire, and then you go up to knighthood eventually. And you do this with a community of men. And in that book, I think the definition was um, reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and there was one more. Yeah, I think there's one more to that. But what was really good about it is it just gave de- definitions. And there's some goofy parts of that book for sure. But if you've not read it, I do encourage you to read it. I mean, there's some good things and valuable things in it. But there were good definitions. Definitions. Here's what a man is. A man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and then whatever the last one was. And so that sent me on just kind of this path of, of trying to get definitions biblically about who a man is and what a man does. And those were helpful. But these words for me have become kind of the... Um, just the way in which I I see manhood and it's become a helpful way to talk about it. And so let me work through these quickly and then we're gonna just start with the very first one which is worship, okay? So the six words is is worship, work, protect, provide, lead, and love. Now as you think about those words, the themes you can see kind of rising up from the pages, you see some from Genesis, you see just scattered throughout, you see them in the life of Christ. Um, But each of these provides us a helpful path forward For us as men individually, just for me personally and for you, the listener, but also as you're training your sons and as you're training your men at the church. Okay? So let's start with worship. This is where we find out who a man is. This has to do with identity. In the very beginning of this talk about about manhood, we have to know who we are as men, we have to know that we're created in the image of God. And I already read Genesis chapter 1 that, that in the beginning God created man uh, and he created them male and female, he created them. Male and female. So God didn't just make the asexual soup of humanity where we're just just all humans and so we all need to equally live in the exact same way. He created us equal and bestowed dignity well beyond equality. Again, we've talked about this a lot even on this show here. But worship is the central component of what it means to be a man. We are worshipers. There's our identity, and we're going to, to take our identity into all of our works. So and when we talk about worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love, this thing, worship, is going to be brought into absolutely everything else because we bring ourselves into everything else. And as we're raising sons and as we're teaching our men at our church, one of the first central thing that we have to know is that we're created as men and we're created for God. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 says this in verse 16, for by him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authority, all things were created through him and for him. We were created through Christ for Christ. So when you combine this with Genesis chapter one, we know that we are created as men by God, and he was good and right to create us that way. He created us outside of the garden and then put us inside of the garden to work and keep that garden. I'm reading a great book right now about that, uh, called The Masculine Mandate. I read it a couple years ago, reading it again. Great book. And then we find out in Colossians that we were made made through Christ and for Christ. And there it is. We don't have to get complicated with with it. We don't have to drape a bunch of other uh, things upon it. Right now, anyways, this is who we are as men. We are created by God in the image of God as men, and we are created... For Christ, we exist for Christ. Now we get to the creeds and the confessions that say that we exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the central component of what it means to be a man. We are a worshiper. Now, there's three different fields that I want to talk about that we bring ourselves as a as a worshiper into. And and by the way, when we get that information down, that is so crucial for so many men because there are so many men who think that that life is all up to them to discover um, and all up to them to determine. And so I've got to determine my own purpose. I've got to find it and then determine my own purpose and then live for whatever I want to live for. And we live in such a self-indulgent society and a narcissistic society that, that even if you get to the point where you're accepting the fact that you're a man for, for men out there, then we have men all over this world that are just determining their life uh, to be whatever they want it to be. But God has determined life for us and told it what it's about. And so when we're raising our sons, I'm saving so much time for my sons as I tell them over and over, you're created to worship. You are a worshiper. You're created by God, for God. You exist for Him. And as we ingrain that in, I mean, it's just like catechizing your children, the biggest questions in life get answered. Now, we're, we're praying that the Holy Spirit just lights a fire in Him, just like you're praying for for your children, that the Holy Spirit just lights a fire in them and sets their hearts alive in Christ. Um, and these things, these answers that we're giving them, really take root and take hold of them. But if if that happens, then we're saving them literally just decades of just searching for answers that, that we already have answers for. And for the men in your church who are who are just you know plugging along through life, these are real answers to big questions in life. Who am I? What am I to do? What what am I made for? All that stuff can be answered. And what you know, the last, I don't know, however many years has been hijacked is you know trying to ask individual people, hey, what are you supposed to do in life? What are you going to do? What's your purpose? And that is not a question that we should be asking men in particular in our church. We know what our purpose is. And that works itself out in a million different ways, but we exist to worship God. Now, there's three fields, home, work, and play. So at home men, we are to be setting the pace of worship in our home. That, that's just clear. We worship as we're working at home. We worship as we do family worship at home, as we gather around a meal together, as we work with our wives inside of our home, as we create a culture of play in our home, we worship at home. That's what we do. And Charles Spurgeon, I love it. Then he at uh, one time said that, and I got this from one of my mentors now, uh, Pastor Bill Smith, He said uh, in quoting Spurgeon that Spurgeon said that I never pray more than 10 minutes, but I never go more than 10 minutes without praying there was a culture of prayer in the life of Spurgeon that he was trying to show other people how to live out, which was, you're, you're in constant communion here. We're praying without ceasing here. This isn't simply about, and it is about the prayer closet. You need a prayer closet, <clears throat> but it isn't simply about praying for five hours a day. Go throughout the day and live your life in communion with God and then bring other people into that. And so as we're living our lives at home, if we have sons in the home, we are teaching them that life as a man is about is about living for the glory of another. It's about life in Christ. And so we're going to live in communion and worship Him and thank Him and bring others to do the same, bring them along with us to do the same. So that's work. Now, that's home. Now, work. When we work, when we go to work, whatever we do, if we have a home office or when we have a, an office at the church building or if we office just through the, you know in the community at the local coffee shop, we should be living a life of worship. Everything we do should be to honor Jesus. This is for Him. So when we open that book, we're opening that book for the glory of Jesus. When we're reading that book and we're trying to translate that into how we shepherd and care for for people and love people, when we're diving into that systematic theology or or opening that ecclesiology book, or when we're just simply studying for our sermon on Sunday, this is about communion. Don't separate your work from communion and worship. This is the central area that that pastors get messed up, where we professionalize work and then we end up doing it void of the Spirit, and void of his power, and void of communion with God, and we just simply pump out sermons, and and do our work, and write our articles, or read our books, and it has everything to do with professional development, but it has nothing to do with communion. And the work of a pastor is is just like the work of every other man. It it ought to be communion with God. Our work is not separated from communion with God. It isn't this thing where we, we get to compartmentalize, where we have our life in Christ, and then we have our work life. And pastors fall into this all the time. This is why pastors can have affairs, but continue working and continue preaching and continue doing whatever they're doing because they completely removed the work of pastoral ministry from communion with God. And so they just keep plugging along, living in sin, keep continuing, looked at pornography or being lazy in their work or whatever because it's just it's just work. It's not it has it had nothing to do with communion with God. And we have got to we have got to slay that dragon. Work has to be communion. Pastors, don't lose your soul. To being a professional. Don't lose your soul to professionalism. Don't lose your soul keeping up with the Joneses in pastoral ministry. Do that. Forget that. Spend time with God. Commune with Him. Commune with Him. Pray. Go on a walk. Spend time looking at nature and what He created. We, we work hard and we do it in such a way that we're communing with Him. We are worshipers at work. And then finally with play. And we could put rest in there as well because we need to teach our children how to rest. When we play, uh, we are doing it joyfully and we are just simply showing our family how to enjoy God's world that he made. Don't outgrow being able to play with your children, or being able to play even with the people in your church. My goodness, go fishing with them, hang out with people, go to the lake, enjoy a barbecue, laugh, tell jokes. I'll tell something that was a little bit embarrassing to me yesterday. I was driving home from church, and we had a couple that drove by and passed me. I was driving slow, I'm a slow driver, and i had i kid you not i had my finger in my nose picking my nose it was this embarrassing moment they drove by and they caught me right in the act right it was just just embarrassing you know and they drive by and so i texted them i said well you caught me in the act and they thought i was like fixing my eyebrows and so i wrote back to them no thank god it wasn't something as embarrassing as that it was only picking my nose And you've got to just learn to not be embarrassed and have your kids seeing you laugh is so crucial to what it means to be a man. Teach your children that manhood is about worship in all of life, even in our play. And so this is going to translate into how we we live as a pastor and as a man in front of a congregation and in discipling. To be a man is to be a worshiper in all of life. Next week, we'll talk about the man as a worker, and so we'll get into more things that we just talked about here just a little bit. But just to recap quickly, this is where a man finds his identity. He is a man created in the image of God, and he is built for worship. Worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use, and let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.